This episode of Never Work Alone is brought to you by Collide, a new and better way to create deeper connections with others using shared ideas and complementary skills. Using Collide, you can connect with people who have the skills you need to make your ideas happen. For early access, sign up at www.collideapp.com. That's C-O-L-L-I-D-E-A-P-P dot com. Welcome back to Never Work Alone with uh, Evan and Chris. Hey, we're back. We've got uh, special guest Lance Miller with us today. Lance. Hey, hello. <laughs> Lance, uh, who are you and what do you do? So I've been freelancing for a couple years. Um, I have a small video production company called Level Set Films um, and I've been doing a lot of uh, DP work on, uh, on jobs as kind of freelance, but also do other freelance gigs uh, as well, like cam assistant and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, that's progressed. Um, but the level set films has always kind of been like, uh, me low budget projects, kind of getting as much experience on all the different aspects of filmmaking and things like that. If I could ask real quick, what's low budget in your mind? Um, what's the top end? Well, I mean, at first the low budget was $500, um, you know, or free. But the free, the free, I mean, that's no budget, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the free was like the, the thing where I was like, I just need uh, a, a, to make a video and put a company's logo at the end of it kind of thing. So there was like a, um, you know, a blow dry bar at place and friend of a friend. And I was like, you know, can I just do a video for you? And um, so it was, it was practice, uh, you know, interviewing, practice shooting, editing, working with clients, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then as, as it progressed, you know, low budget became higher and higher as a, as you know, and now it's, I would say, I mean, I don't know, medium budget, w- which can be uh, 3000 per project to 5000 per project, depending, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's, there's a certain point, I guess, you reach when you're like, I can I can start asking for money now. <laughs> right. I mean, well, how, did you have to, like, do enough jobs to where you had a reel put together or... What was that turning point? So my first paid gig wasn't based on a reel or really anything. It was just based on the people I knew. So um, went to film school. So I, I had a sales job for like, or different sales jobs for eight years or seven years and uh, really wanted to get out of it and do something creative. And so I, I started going to film school in San Francisco while I was working, doing nights and weekends and stuff like that. And then... Uh, hooked up with a dude that was in there uh, that worked at a startup. And so he knew my goals going into it when I started with the school. I was like, I want to make this happen. You know, I, I need money. I need to, like, quit the sales job I've been doing for years. And I, um, he knew that I wanted to do that. He liked the way I shot. He thought I had beautiful shots or whatever. He's like, dude, you're, you're good. And he hit me up and was like, my startup, um, he's like a marketing guy to start up. He's like, my startup needs a video. And then I was like, okay. And so we worked out a deal where it was like, I think $1,400 or something. So, so that, it sounds like when you were in film school, you came at it maybe at a little older age than some of the other people that were in the school. Did you kind right, of get a sense yes. that maybe a lot of them were there for like artistic reasons and you were there for more of a practical? Right, exactly. I was there coming at it more like, you know, back against the wall, like, I need to make this shit work, you know? Like, I, I've been always creative, always doing my, my own gig and doing creative things, just, nev- you know, I wanted to do music, like, in, in 2006 and 7, and 
um, decided not to go that route, but still do music as a, you know, a passion. And that kind of led me to filmmaking in the first place. Did you feel like you were kind of a minority in that, in that group of wanting to pursue more business-related or more, pra- more commercial efforts? Yeah, I was the only one that for the, the school project, I wanted to do like a branded video. You know, like something like people do not want to do, right? Like do it just a company corporate style video. Everyone wanted to do narratives and, um, you know, something that had a little more story than like, here's our products and, you know, mm-hmm. but I wanted to build a reel. Yeah, good. I think we all wanted to build a reel at some point. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a point when you're like first starting out when you want to get paid and you want to ask for money, but then you have to have something to show people that shows that you can do quality work. And it's like a trade-off of like, okay, well, how much pro bono work do I want to put, you know, I think a lot of people go to school and they just use their school reel and hopefully that's enough, you know, to get them into something. Maybe these days starting to become something that that is a reasonable level, but school reels 10 years ago were god-awful. Yes. Um, You know, there was no way you were going to get anything out of that. I mean, it's funny that you start you touch on a point, and most of us have a, a very, not most of us, a lot of us have a very similar story. My story is very similar to yours. We worked, you know, somebody called, said they needed a video, said they'd like, you know, the work, you know, that they'd seen, which wasn't really professional, but was just us screwing around or, you know, doing our thing, trying to get through film school. Uh, in, that, in that case, my partner. And then, you know, worked out a deal for that first job and went, gee, that was fun and we enjoyed it and we want to do this and let's do it. Right. Did the guy that first hired you with that $1,400 job, did he call you back again? Did you work yeah, with him the second time? For sure. So you kind of yeah. built up a rapport with him. Right. And then where was the next kind of stage of branching out? Well, so then I traveled for six months. Okay. <laughs> so it was like I, I had some momentum, and then it, like, kind of shut down. Like, it, uh, I was like, this is awesome. I have I have this client. They're paying me money. Um, I had enough confidence to to quit and uh, savings to quit, like my day job, and took the leap and uh, had that job come through, and then a couple others. So like I was starting to build some momentum as far as real real goes and stuff, but it was really rough. Like I, I started freaking out, doing content marketing, <laughs> doing everything I could, you know putting myself out there networking like that's when i started going to networking events with meetups and and that's what led to uh the most opportunities is like getting in front of people it's like the content marketing was fun but um and it would help me as like a writer and but besides that um actually it did lead to one gig that was an agency that um actually funded my travel pretty much so but that's Kind of a whole yeah, I think <laughs> the, the the company that you're referring to is actually one that you re- referred to me as well, right. and it's it's a system that's built for freelancers to basically log in, see a list of potential jobs, which they're like, here are the assets, here's what we want, we just need different versions and iterations of the same thing, which you use to your advantage, right? You took that and tell us about you know what you did with that. Yeah, so. So he he was on kind of a news, <coughs> newsletter that I was sending out, like saying, here's a new blog article. And he reached out and he knew me from high school. And I basically just put him on the list, right, and sent it out to friends and family pretty much. And then uh, he reached out and said he works for this agency and they do a lot of Facebook and Instagram 
video variations. So like people don't want to see the same ads over and over again just by tweaking the titles, tweaking the, the um, like order of, the of things, data, yep. just simple things like that, that that don't take a lot of work. Um, and it's lightweight. You, you know, you don't need huge raw video files. And so, so I started doing that for them um, just per hour kind of thing, kind of hourly work. And uh, it led to... Uh, so I had my first trial, which is like a four-hour trial to see if I'm okay at what I do, you know? And they liked it. And uh, then I was like, I'm about to go travel for six months. <laughs> is it cool if I can, like, do that while I travel? That would be amazing, you know? And, and uh, they said, sure, whatever. Because as long as, like, because I had, I had to buy a, a MacBook Pro and, and a couple external hard drives to make it work. Um, but I told them I have the setup because I was going to do my own kind of personal documentary style travel videos anyway. So, like, I had the equipment and I was like, I can make this happen. And right. And so I was doing like 14 hours a week during the travel. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, they, yeah. you kind of funded your trip and your the person you were with didn't seem to mind that you took the few hours, right? You kind of. No, my wife. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was, uh, she loved it, you know. She could, like, do her thing and research the next Airbnb and, you know, I can get down. For me, that that, that is like a freelancer dream to be able to travel and work, you know, at your own pace and kind of just decide, yeah, I'm going to put in a few hours this week while I'm in Barcelona and then put out a few more when I get to London or whatever you're doing, right? Right. And so that that's really uh, that's cool that they had something set up like that. But when you came back, was there this sort of feeling like, oh, now I'm back. What what happens now? With them, or well, just just just, just with you when you kind of landed again when you were doing this traveling. I'm sure there was a shift where you're kind of like, okay, I, I guess I could continue doing that as if I was traveling, but there's probably this, okay, I should search for new opportunities. Did you have something like that? Yeah. So um, I think that happened. Uh, I mean, I w- I was hungry like when I came back, you know, and and I. It had been six months, and I wasn't quite like, you know. There's like just a certain learning curve mm-hmm. that that you that where you're like really into it, and you're like, okay, like I'm in After Effects every day. This is amazing. Like right. I wanted to learn that program for a long time, and now it's just like I'm getting paid for it, and I'm learning. I'm learning it, and uh, and then I, I got to a stage, but it didn't come right when I returned. Like I returned from the trip, and I was like, I need to do this to keep living and keep making some money like a base because i wanted a base so that i'm not uh, you know a base kind of like salary or whatever so i'm not struggling where i'm not like oh i'll do any job and you know super starving Um, right so it's it sort of taught you the discipline you liked being in the program or doing the skill every day like i'll keep this as my base and then try to build right your, your freelance business on top of that okay Right, so that was kind of the plan, and that's uh, and that worked out for a few months for sure. And I I was able to get in with a few agencies and get some good um, good work where I can actually shoot and edit, and and so it's it's less uh, it's more of the shooting, which is really what I like to to be out in the field and do that kind of stuff. Are you finding that your clients kind of want you to do like multiple things when when they reach out to you when they want to create a video? They're yeah. saying, what what are they saying to you? Yeah, so that's what I've been talking to this agency about because I was, like, uh, asking them why me, you know. But 
I have a friend that works there. I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, because <laughs> he, he reached out. He was a copywriter there, but I still had to prove myself just because just because a guy that, you know, works there. Ne- networking isn't <laughs> about nepotism or yeah. cronyism or anything like that. Networking is about who, you know, because if you don't know anyone there and they do not know you, how and how are they going to find you? How on earth is that connection going to be made so okay. that you have to follow the connections you have? And that's. You know, we've we lament a little bit that it's difficult to become a Hollywood director if you're not already kind of born into those connections because at certain points, you know, especially up there, it's so lofty. It's so far distant from the common ground we all stand on when we start as a freelancer. Um, and it's a similar thing. If you don't know somebody, then that's your first order of business is to start knowing people. Right. Yeah. How did you meet the friend that was a copywriter? I've known him forever, like since uh, swim team when I was 10 years old. And we had made movies back in the day, like when we were young and had had always kind of done that. I think I was shooting with my dad's like video camera and he was doing what he does now, which is direct and creative dude, you know, that puts things together. So uh, lesson one. Start making them connections early, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Start making films. Join the soccer young. team. That might be your future boss or yep. <laughs> future client. Yeah. So level set films. Um, when you first, I mean, you you seem to have it together a little bit more when you went out as a freelancer. I mean, there's, there's a lot of us. Uh, a lot of our stories start when we're like 19 or 20 or 21 or something, you know, and we're ju- we're just learning the world as well as freelancing. But you had learned the world quite a bit. It sounds you know we're married by the time you started freelancing, um, and so you you seem to know a few of these things like put together a company, uh, level set films. Where where did that name come from? Um. So that was. That was a, it took a long time to figure out a name. You know, I mean, we were, uh, it was actually this copywriter at the agency, uh, it's just a good friend. We were on like a trip and trying to think of uh, a ton of different names. And I'm normally pretty like quick because I I used to rap and stuff like that. So like I'm quick, at least I think I am, (laughs) 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 with with certain, certain just... uh, Wordplay. Wordplay, yes, exactly. So, like, I I figured this 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 should be easy, and I just, like, I think I just got overwhelmed with, like, all the, um, all the, not options, but lack of options, you know? It's the most (laughs) difficult thing to categorize yourself, to describe yourself, to, and I think for us, to compartmentalize yourself. And to distill yourself down into one statement that right. is just you. I mean, that's I think that's what a lot of us as creators are. No, I can't be contained by this this one word that is. No, no, no. I have all these different personalities and all these different ideas and all these different, you know, goals. It's, it seems like a tattoo almost. Like it's like the it, sort of thing that you're. You got to be committed to. You got to be ready to explain it again and again and mm-hmm. again to people. And so, and if it doesn't want to have a good reason, yeah, or it, at least be memorable, <laughs> look, maybe it just looks cool. You know, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was drunk. It looked it sounds neat. cool. You know, yeah, that's it's a great great way to get a tattoo. Uh, no, worst way to get a tattoo and the worst way to pick your name. Yeah, I was drunk and it sounded cool. Um, <laughs> right. So now, so, what, so yeah. do you have the meaning? Can you tell us what it means? Yeah. So. Uh, so it actually wasn't as important to me, like, in terms of the meaning of it. or And I also got to the point where I, I was pretty uh, pretty tired of trying to figure out a name, honestly. And, I, and my buddy's just creative, you know. He's like, oh, you know, L. Lance, you know. And then he was like, level sets lingo for, like, are we all on the same page, you know, with, with this. And um, 
And then I was thinking either productions or films, but productions can go a lot of different ways, right? You could be yeah. a event or weddings or whatever, mm-hmm. all different things. Um, so, so he he had kind of brought it up, you know, level set films. Um, so I credit him for it, you yeah. know. And I was like, I'm done. Like that's cool, you know. I think there's an interesting note about it. You, level set films. It rolls. It's a very. It rolls up the tongue. It has a very uh, quality kind of an alliteration to it. Almost three syllables. And yeah. the three syllables. And level set film sounds almost like a command. You know, camera action. You know, lights, camera action, whatever. You know, it's level set mm. film. So there's a whole lot of. I think it's it it it's. What's, what would be the term? It's feng shui uh, <laughs> for the brain. <laughs> yeah. It's got some pentameter, you know, I am yeah. pentameter, yeah. you know, it's not. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there's a rhythm to it. The rhythm to That's it. what it, it plays is. into the rapping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about, do you, is, are you just Evan Mueller, freelancer? Yeah. 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 So let's not talk about your, your company name. Yeah. The, I, I have not taken the leap into making Fair a special enough. name you, for you myself. You don't always necessarily want to. So before, I'll, I'll mention, I'll discuss uh, my, my company's name's origin. But you don't always necessarily want to have a name for your company. Sometimes the brand is you, especially as a freelancer. If you're not trying to become a production company, if you're not trying to grow into that that multi-tiered, multi-employee, whatever larger thing, then you might not want to have a production company because you actually don't want to necessarily confuse people. Um, when you are an editor, as Evan is, and that's the that's the only thing you do. He's not a DP. He's not going to go take a call for, hey, can you do shoot this interview for me? I'm an editor. Right. Um, so he doesn't want people to think Evan Mueller Films. It's not Evan Mueller, uh, Mueller Films. It's Evan Mueller Editor. And uh, if you get the, I think there's a union for that or something like that. It's like, you know, whatever it is, ESA a- or A-C-E, ACE think, yeah. or something like that. You Which can, I would you love, by yeah. the way. Ace. <laughs> oh, what a title. <laughs> Evan Mueller, Ace. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and you don't want to, you don't want people thinking that he can do anything else. And on top of that, you also don't want them thinking when they're thinking of an editor, well, I have this list of names in front of me and some of them are companies. Well, that means uh, it's an instant turnoff to somebody who's looking for just the editor. Right. I want somebody who's not going to be like, well, I can also do your film and I can also, I just want the guys like, just give me the edit and here's your edit back and I'm done. So right. if you're looking to do just one job and that's it, you don't necessarily need a name for that. You are the name for that. Hmm. So, with that said, um, when when I first started in this, I didn't want to do I just get, one job. I guess I could oh. say that if you had a really complicated sounding name, it was like <laughs> a very foreign name potentially. Perhaps you might want to go with like the Bay Cutter or just something like a short that's version really of it maybe yeah. the Bay Cutter. I don't know something oh, that might. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that's the worst. If you have a if you have a funky name or uh, it stands out, that's that's the whole point. You know, when you somebody. Uh, I can't, I can't think of any standout names right now. Just your your goal is not to be a company. Your goal is not to gather that kind of work. Your goal is to be a freelance editor or That's a freelance yeah. DP. Or don't be such and such films or such and such productions unless you want that in your life and you want that complication in your life. So that being said, I did want that. When I first started this business, it was with another friend of mine. I had always had loftier goals than this. Even when I was a kid, I was I'm going to be whatever one of those big you know, production companies, one of those big producers, one of those big actors. But it was all the things. I wanted all the things. Um, And I don't, you know, I've mentioned once or twice before, I don't pursue acting like I wanted to as a kid. And it's something that even as a a tenure veteran in this business now, I still don't pursue it anymore. It's not something that's on my my docket. But there are three or four different things that I pursue. I still freelance as a photographer and just focus on photography for that. But I'm also a producer, I'm also an editor, and I'm also a director. So, and I'm also a writer. 
and I don't want to let go of pretty much any of those things. I'll let go of editing slowly as I find people that I'm comfortable with editing for me, but producing, directing, and writing is never going to be things that I don't want to do. But I also always wanted to hire people. I always wanted to have people working under me. I always wanted to be able to compartmentalize jobs as I finally get to in the past couple of years, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, is finally grown into a little bit of fruition here. I have full crews that go out on, on jobs. I am still a, sort of a freelancer in that we are a completely unconnected, independent studio, if you will. Um, but we're in, I'd almost say we're independent of that. But, uh, but yeah, I always wanted to have, I always wanted to have a company. So that's why I went after this. And where our name came from, Real Eagle Productions, was the original name. We're now Real Eagle Studios. But Real Eagle Studios is actually a DBA under Showbird LLC because I had to reform my LLC. Well, well slow down. What was all that? I, I'm going I'm, I'm to get back to all this. Uh, and then there's a couple of other little uh, operands or names that we, that we operate under. Um, Real Eagle Productions LLC uh, came from, I originally started this company with a, another buddy of mine who I had grown up with. I had uh, made my first film with him in seventh grade, and we were, had both gone through Boy Scouts together, and uh, we're both Eagle Scouts. And my father suggested, hey, if you're going to name your company, you, you should, you know, he was real proud of mm-hmm. the Eagle Scout, really, okay. really proud of that. And he suggested, if you're going to name your company, you should, you should try to incorporate, you know, the fact that you're both Eagle Scouts into it. And we thought that was actually a pretty solid idea. It's a, it's a fun name. And we played around with Eagle and played around with Eagle and this, Eagle that, Eagle this, uh, something, something Eagle, blah, blah, blah. And we just kept playing with it and playing with it and playing with it. And eventually it was one of those probably whiteboard type things where you, you you jot a bunch of stuff down. We didn't have whiteboards at the time. It was probably a couple pieces of paper. But, um, you know, you know, and we, or maybe it was a Word document. I just jotted a bunch of stuff down. And I think it was, you know, I, I don't even remember anymore. It was, it was one of those, it was such a non innocuous kind of moment of like, yeah. Yeah, let's try Real Eagle. Because as you had as you said, Lance, you get to that point of like, I'm just tired of trying to figure out what our name is. We have to sign this right. business document right. and send it into the the, you know, the the franchise tax board so we can start getting paid on this job that we've got to get started. Uh, and we, right. Real Eagle was one of the options in there. Um, and we kind of said it a few times out loud and went, Real Eagle. Yeah, it kind of rolls off the tongue. It, it's, it kind of it flows pretty well. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, our first logo was a piece of, couple of pieces of clip art I yanked off of the web. Our second logo looked like the Iron Eagle from, or almost, you know, the, the old Art Deco type stuff, which was kind of my business partner's thing. And then our third logo uh, in 2010, when I started uh, working with somebody else, uh, came from another associate at that point and kind of was fought that final fruition of, you know, the Eagle logo and all that and where we've stuck with ever since. Um, at, unfortunately, because I broke part ways with his partner and we didn't we didn't do it cleanly, and I was kind of lazy about paperwork and all that sort of stuff. I eventually had to reform the LLC. So I had to form a new company a couple of years ago called Showbird LLC. And I, at the time, we were just gonna uh, me and my new business partner were gonna kind of slowly separate things by doing some of our AV stuff under Showbird because we'd started getting a bunch of AV contracts. Now we don't really do AV. We we have a partnership with an AV company where they give us all their video contracts and we give them all our AV contracts. Uh, you know. Uh, referrals that come in, that sort of thing. So um, the Showbird LLC name existed. I needed to, to stop working with the, uh, the previous LLC, and I decided, ah, screw it, we can just do a DBA. So we did a doing business as, as Real Eagle Studios, so now we have a Showbird LLC that we don't use for anything. And of course, Showbird was like, well, me just being cute and being like, Real Eagle, so let me do Showbird. Okay. <laughs> so what's that DBA process like? Is that just because you needed to separate from 
the ownership with your the co-ownership? Yeah. So the reason we did a DBA instead of another business called Real Eagle is, yeah, to partly separate it on a legal standpoint to make it easier for people who are either trying to hunt me down for, you know, I don't know, whatever, not hunt me down, but trying to hunt the company down and figure anything out, that they wouldn't be confusing the two companies really easily because there's a Real Eagle Studios LLC and a Real Eagle Productions LLC. That would be very confusing. If there's right. a Showbird LLC on the paperwork and a Real Eagle Productions LLC, and then there's in client paperwork, there's Real Eagle Studios, but it's part of the DBA paper. It makes it easier for that. Um, but yeah, creating the name, we knew it had to, as I said before, it had to sound good, it had to roll off the tongue, it had to uh, had to be easy, and it had to sound had to sound complete. But you know, one thing we ran into, uh, you know, we struggled with Real Eagle because real uh, as a film reel to people in this business, a lot of people in our industry instantly think Real Eagle, and you're thinking you're thinking real, film reel. Everyone outside the business automatically tries to spell it R E A L, and it totally kills that you know that momentum. But unfortunately, as I, I think I may have pointed out earlier before we were recording. We have now had the name so long that if you search Real Eagle, R-E-A-L, on the web, we still come up. Not very, it depends on what, you know, Real Eagle Studios, we definitely come up very high. I think even just Real Eagle by itself, we're like the 10th thing down and everything above that's like a YouTube video about birds. <laughs> so we're, it, it's, it's no longer important for me to change that name. But one of the reasons I had considered changing it many times over the years was that, that confusion. Do not ever, unless unless that confusion works in your favor, don't ever pick a confusing name. If you want to be, if you want to go back to that old 80s movie, um, you're coming to America, you know, McDowell's versus McDonald's. <laughs> you know, that was, it was cute and it was funny, but there's a, there's a lot of that that goes on on the internet, depending on what you're, you know, not in the internet, in, in this day and age, especially on the internet. And depending on what you're trying to do, sometimes that can be a very positive. If you, if you, there's a couple of film companies out there that have made their bones making absolutely terrible B or C or F movies, if you want to, you know, if there really was that. Uh, but, but what they do is they wait until Deep Impact comes out and then Deep Impacts comes out or, uh, you know, what was the, the Transformers and Transmogrifiers, you know, whatever, like they, they literally, oh, right. the yeah. moment that that movie is announced that it's going to come out, they start production, you know, six months out, they, you know, you start seeing the commercials for Transformers 5, uh, six, uh, five months and 30 days, that company has started their Transformers movie, which is a total knockoff and really, really terrible version of it. But in all foreign markets, where people can barely tell the difference between the names anyway, and you do the DVD art cover, and it looks kind of like the same thing, and mm, they, you might get a they, few people, right? You get you get plenty. You make a thirty-five thousand dollar film, and you sell it for about a million dollars in revenue across the world in various markets, and blah blah blah. And you form a a tube of that, um, uh, you know, and a marketplace for that. And over time, that becomes just but, your thing. Yeah, that seems like almost intentional, right? That's, that's inc intentional. That incredibly confusion. intentional. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. thinking that you don't want to pick a name that's confusing. Exactly. Because you don't have to explain it. You don't have to try to respell it all the time. And it's yeah. like, no one's going to give you props on a creative name. Nope. Really. You know, other than your friends and family, right? The, the client just wants you to do creative work. And the work yes. is, it's not about your name being like, super cool, you know, with wordplay and take a few vowels out, you know, it's not... <laughs> it should be either descriptive of you, at, at, at most, at best, always it should be, it shouldn't be, conf yeah, shouldn't be uh, confusing if it doesn't need to be, and it also shouldn't be distracting if it doesn't need to be. Uh, we had a gentleman that we worked with, um, 
And I, I will I will mention this out loud in terms of because the example makes sense and it's it's That's gone out loud on the recording. It's completely gone into as far as I understand it. The it's a it's a defunct company. But he decided to call his company Space Naked Films because he thought it would grab people. With the word naked in there and yeah. know, et cetera. And mm. he was I've mentioned that before. That was one of the guys that just all he did was brand. There was literally no substance. He hadn't made anything. He didn't do anything. He had all these people with his with cards that had their name and his company on it. But they were they all had their own jobs and they just it was one of those things he'd given people his cards and be like, Hey, would you mind being a, an agent for my company? There was there was just branding. But Space Naked Films and his <laughs> logo was a little astronaut, but it was multiple things. The astronaut was ex- extremely complicated. It was not it's not a logo that you could have for a professional corporate company. It was a creative logo that you could see on film somewhere. But it was a naked astronaut. And it was just one of those, this is too far, this is too over the top, and this is distractingly weird. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, that triggers me. I, two years ago, when I was looking, because EvanMuller.com was taken, I was looking for another URL to take, and I thought, naked edits. I thought that was clever. I thought it was catchy, you know? And I eventually, you know, talked to smart enough people that were like, Mm, people might associate that with some other sort of yeah. content, you know. In the film world, you have to think outside the box in in in, uh, in, in places like that because you're in the film world. Having a right. bed set for a modeling shoot in my studio makes people think I shoot pornography, mm. and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? We don't need the revenue from the handful of modeling shoots that use the bed. Let's get rid of the bed because right. that's a bad association in all other activities that I'm doing. And since I'm not focusing my business on modeling photography, I just have a few clients that like to do that. We're not going to worry about that revenue stream anymore. So, yeah, my piece of advice is try not to get stuck in your own world of that, you know, because yeah. in my mind, Naked Edits was like, oh, it's clean. It's like not, you know, fancy. It's I'm, I'm completely transparent with my client. And it's like none of that is coming across in the nope. name. You know, ask you, the people around you what they think and ask the right. other professionals that, you know, and don't let your ego get in the way and don't let your complacency get in the way. There's two sides of that. Don't let your ego get in the way of like, but I love this. I thought this was a great, no, no, you just don't think it's good. Other people will think it's good. Well, how many people in a row have told you, eh, because you should really be paying attention to how everyone else's gut reaction first impression to your name is coming across. If you have to teach people to like your name, they're not going to like your name. It's right. not going to work. Well, this this leads me to, a, I, I think, Responding to feedback. Yeah, I'm thinking. Oh, I was just gonna like, say the last thing was the complacency. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't let your name out. Don't pick your name out of complacency. If it's just eh, it's good enough. Well, then it's definitely not good enough. Because hmm. it, it it you know. Well, it just it kind of sounded like you guys are like, hey, the job's coming. Maybe it is good enough, right? <laughs> what I, what I mean is it, complacency versus eh, just ours was we we were tired of of spending all right. this time yeah, and energy. Right. And that's not the same thing as complacency. Complacency is, ah, i got to pick a name. Eh, throw some darts over there real quick. Okay. Um, put a lot of work in. Yeah, put work into yeah, it. Right. Better to have no put name thought. probably than a name yeah. that you don't really care yeah, about. Yeah, your, your right. name should, especially if your name is going to, if you're going to be bigger than, than just you, your, your name should really reflect some of the direction you're heading. Okay. Yeah, so. I wanted to transition <laughs> there in, like, having, listening to other people mm, and trying yeah. to check your own ego. You know, as a freelancer, you have to get really comfortable with, being a service, you know, person to your client and not taking the creative decision that you necessarily want, you know, setting that in the back seat. So, Lance, I guess I'd like to talk, you know, get your experience on how you deal with feedback, if there's any sort of story that you have of a difficult client that, you know, was like shutting down this brilliant idea that you had or whatever, you know, can you talk about that? Yeah, so that's always, I guess it's it's gotten better, but I, I think uh, dealing 
with feedback, which is a, p- a big part of the job. I mean, every project has, has feedback, and you go through rounds of edits, and um, that's been something that I've struggled with kind of from, from the beginning for some reason. Yeah, responding to feedback, I think we all have this incredible need as artists to pour ourselves and our emotions and our hopes and our dreams and our values into our work, and it's it's an absolutely difficult thing to extract yourself from and understand. I think I've, I've given an example a few times. I had a, a set dresser on a set uh, one time, and I... the uh, uh, I told her very early on, so you're going to go up on this chalkboard and you're going to draw a beautiful, intricate picture of Africa freehand because I knew she could do it. She was really good at that sort of stuff. Um, and you're probably going to spend about half an hour doing this. Just beware when the director comes in, he may look at it and go, nah, let's use a real map. She goes, what? No, no, not if I'm going to put that much time into this. Beware, hmm. that is what you're being paid to do right now. Right. That's, oh, yeah. That's not going to happen. That's going to happen. She spends about half an hour drawing a really beautiful hand-drawn, colored in different countries by, you know, um, of Africa. And sure enough, that's exactly what the director did. He walked in and went, nah, let's use a real map. And started talking to somebody else about some other part. She wanted to flip her shit and go panicky, you know, get get mad. And I was like, this is your job. Yeah. Are you still getting paid? Yeah, Does exactly. it matter if that Africa gets erased right now? You got paid for that half hour. Yeah. We're good. Take a picture. Take a picture. Show it to your friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, one of my friends, uh, a guy I would like to have on the show, you know, this isn't his piece of advice necessarily, but he's passed it on to me, which is that always let the client feel like it's their idea. If you want to do something, there you have some sort of creative instinct. Try to figure out some way so that it's like they've come up with this idea and they've given it back to you as opposed to trying to convince them that that's the way they should go. Yeah. So much easier way to, to try to, to win something and to get them to say it. You know, if you can somehow convince your client. Yes, I love what you just said. <laughs> even even if it was what you said originally, there's no glory in pointing that out, right? Yeah. Uh, and, it's, it's, and on a side to that, I think the easiest way sometimes to get what you want is to present it first and then present the shitty options next as the, like, the better options. And then they usually – what people hear first, as long as it sounds good to them, is usually what they want to stick to. Mm-hmm. And you push them to these other really extremes and you present them the shitty option as, like, this unbelievably shitty option. I, I find people bouncing right back to whatever it was I dictated them the very first thing out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but that, that being said, responding to feedback, I think also include, we wanted to talk a little bit about don't panic as well. Um, so feedback comes from a lot of different directions, your clients, it comes from your crew and it comes from your equipment. Uh, so responding to feedback you're getting from your equipment today, I was working on an enormous project for an aerospace company with my DP, uh, my technical director actually. And we pulled up open we, it was multiple camera uh, shoot and multiple sensors and footage from all over the place and we pulled open uh davinci resolve to start going through stuff and we had done a number of very very technical tests using a xyla chart and resolution charts and if you don't know what a xyla chart is it's a very specific piece of uh a specific instrument used to uh, very very accurately test dynamic range on a camera and we mm. pulled that footage in and the A camera looked great. B camera appeared to have a LUT on it. And we were shooting it uncompressed raw. And no matter what we did, we couldn't figure out how to get rid of this LUT. And it's basically like an effect. It, it would, it's yeah. an effect. A, a LUT. For people yeah. that aren't. Sorry, yeah. yeah. A, a LUT basically changes. It basically. So uncompressed raw comes out of the camera. And 
In most cameras actually compress that footage and then apply like a color profile to it so it looks nice, right. you know. On your DSLR, that's like Canon standard or, you know, Nikon standard or whatever those are, neutral. Uh, on your on your cinema cameras, they're usually, like, you're usually shooting in like a Rec. 709 log, which is a very, very flat profile so you can get as much detail and information as you can. And then you bring it into a program and then you grade it, you color grade it, you add color back to it, but it's because you have all the information to work with. In our case, for these, these technical tests, in order to compare these sensors to each other, we needed everything in completely uncompressed right. data. And it had appeared after an hour of playing around with this footage and, and playing around with DaVinci Resolve, uh, Resolve and opening it up in Photoshop and trying to figure out what was going on, we, we were pretty sure we had completely fucked up an entire day shoot and then realized we thought we'd actually, it was both days shoot and that we had completely useless footage from this one camera because God knows what, who, who, who left a LUT on somewhere. Um, and we kept thinking about it and we kept looking into it and, and finally went to Google to see if m maybe it's DaVinci Resolve because we, we, we opened it up in Premiere and we're able to see it. Okay, so in Premiere, we don't have a LUT applied to this, but whatever's going on in DaVinci, it just will not process this footage without a LUT. Well, go, going into Premiere, it turns, or going into Google and looking for it, we finally discovered, after a little bit of effort, that this particular camera and DaVinci Resolve don't like each other so much, so there's a workaround thing, because when you pull this camera's footage into DaVinci Resolve, DaVinci Resolve, like, automatically color grades it period, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. It doesn't recognize the like the log files from its metadata, whatever. So there's a workaround where you go back and you get another you get another LUT to add to it to then re-take it back to uncompressed. It was one of those, oh, thank God, because I was just about to drive home fuming mad the whole time, realizing I'm going to have to figure out how to tell the client, we done we fucked up. We need more budget. We need to shoot it. Yeah, we day. need another, like, right. $4,500. So the lesson, <laughs> in, lesson in don't panic is... I guess try to find every solution. Or try try to find don't an, panic. An answer and the entire time I didn't let out. myself panic. Partly because I have been through this type of scenario so many times. Because you don't know what happened, especially when you're using a complex program like Premiere and you accidentally nudge a button with your elbow and now you have no idea what happened and it takes you three and a half hours and you end up reloading, restarting, you know, reloading Premiere because you just don't know what you did. Right. Um, that happens. So, but there has been, you know, I I got burned one time when I thought we had lost everything, ended up clearing a hard drive like three months later only to find out as I was clearing it <gasps> all that stuff we thought we lost three months ago is right, nope, and it's gone mm. fuck <laughs> yeah, whoops well it seems like the, the dual panic thing can come to when you're, you know scheduling a crew and you get a call the morning of, oh your DP's sick and you can't come in, you know, for whatever reason you know, the last thing you want to do spend that time freaking out you know the the, the best yeah. way forward is to think calmly yeah. you know if you can work on that it's not something that comes naturally i think it's something that takes practice and it's like no you have to kind of go you have to go through <laughs> that a couple times to where you're like all right i've been through this before i you know the worst thing i can do is to just start screaming and yelling at this person yeah you know the best thing is just all right, I gotta, I gotta deal with this. You yeah, know? And, that was and that's th that's the sort of producer problem solver I think that makes people hire you again. You know, that, well, more than any other talent is like if you're a problem solver, if you don't, if you can know how to fix 
yeah. things when they go wrong, that's mm-hmm. insanely valuable. Yeah, I, I've worked with, and even my business partner, who's a lot younger than me, occasionally, you know, we're working with it, and we're working with him on it. Um, it panics and, and gets, you know, when something goes wrong or something goes bad, especially on a gig, has a tendency to get extremely upset and, oh my God, the, the, the sky is falling, the world is, is coming to an end. And, and I've recognized that I was much that way when I was his age as well because of the lack of experience. And it is. It is a huge, it's a difficult hurdle to get yourself over. And don't worry, you know, I was sitting in that chair calmly, no, let's check this out, let's check this out. And when, we, when we thought, ah, shit, did we really just scrap an entire day? You know, we scrapped, oh, we scrapped two days. Okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, m- all my brain went into at that point was, all right, well, how do I fix this? Or how do I present this yeah. to the client in a way that I can get away with it? <laughs> And I, I mean, it might sound a little negative, but that's that's your job, is to because it's it's film. Nothing's ever perfect. Nothing's yeah. ever perfect. Yeah. So your job, partly, especially as a producer, is to figure out how to make sure the client thinks that everything went the way it was supposed to go. Just period. We had luckily in our case, we you know in this I had already started coming up with a bunch of different scenarios where I was going to figure this out because there a couple of other things that happened on the project that already prefaced the client with this kind of other thing that had been disappointing. But uh, you know, it was, a, it was a camera test, so there was things that we were going to leave out anyway. And now it's coming up with okay, well here's how we'll, we'll work out how we're leaving this entire camera off. And uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you know it, that's 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 the job. Take a take that as a challenge because at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to happen, as much as we talk about word of mouth is huge and networking is huge and all of that, that one client's the one that, that's going to hate you. And yeah, maybe they talk to a few other people and maybe they're the kind of client that yells at you, ah, you're never going to work in this town again and I'm going to make sure that everyone knows that you're a fuck up and blah. I've worked for those guys before and I've fucked up for those guys before and I still have a career. So yeah, that's nice to remember. Yeah, yeah I know we had Jason uh, Williams on, another editor on our our last show, and uh, you know it, it just reminds me uh, in talking to him how much editors are kind of tech support. But I think he also had he, what I was trying to say is he had mentioned that when you go into work for a client, you're entering their home in some sense. Like you have to kind of respect that, and it's in like keeping the space clean and all that. And for me, that comes down to the equipment that you're working on. You know, I can come in there and totally trash this computer sucks, this network isn't working or whatever. You know, this is slow, and it's like no, they don't want to hear that. This is this is what they got. You know, your job is to make it work with what you've got right here. You know. Know? And if you spend the whole time bitching about the system or all these tech things that you got, you're just getting in your own way because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's part of the job. As much as you might not like it, problem solving and dealing with those little things are an essential part of, of operating. And I, I would love to hear from you on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty calm dude, you know, like when it in, in terms of like panicking, like I'll panic in my own head, you know, about situations. And I think going back to the feedback stuff we were talking about, like and where I totally lost my train of thought, like was that a mentor told me that it just to disconnect it, you need to disconnect from taking it personal. And it's just it's a business. They're paying you money. They're the client. And I think with with panicking, for me, it's it's more like I associate it with um, with just getting feedback and then making assumptions, like thinking like, oh, uh, why are they making me do this? Like, what the hell? Like, this is not even what we wanted to do. 
and then kind of like going through this whole battle in my mind uh, for hours and talking to my wife, oh my God, like, <laughs> what are they thinking? And she's like, just pick up the fucking phone, dude. Wow. You know? yeah. and, and so that was like the biggest lesson for me was like, don't, don't make assumptions of what the hell's going on. Pick up the phone. Just, hey, just to clarify, like, can you tell me what you meant by change this part to this? Or have you thought, and then you can just strategize with them and you're on the same side of the table and it's, uh, you know, it's a lot better like relationship. And I think I've just, that's the biggest thing I've learned is just to not, not freak out in my head and, and panic that way. Yeah. Um, but in terms of being on set, and I'm a chill dude. Like I've, I've, I don't freak out. You know what I mean? Like, um, at least not out loud. <laughs> well, and if working with yeah. you, I think, I think, yeah, the phone conversations and having with you, I think that's a really strong aspect of, of you know, your your business and who you are is that that willingness to get on the phone with somebody. I think a lot of people they want they're so comfortable with like email and, and text messages and stuff and they, they're yeah. like spend so much time crafting this thing when it's like you could solve this in 10 minutes if you just picked up the phone and dialed somebody and it's such a relief to me when I can just get that done because it's like oh, thank god now I don't have to spend half an hour figuring how to carefully word this yeah. feedback you know for somebody so yeah I, I, th I think that's you're, you're right on and you understand that but what you mentioned about you know talking to your wife it reminds me uh, situations well, I think having a business partner is, is, is important. You know, you want to have somebody that you can confide in, that you yeah. can you can you can panic in front of. Them, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. a buffer. It's kind yeah. of important to have that because they can they can see that and say, wait, have you thought about this? Like right. they're they're kind of disconnected in a way from it that they can they can be a little bit more impersonal and maybe point out the ways that you might be taking this personally as opposed to you know taking it as a rational. Yeah. business and, and, and as we said it's it's just a it's a learned behavior it's something it's not something that you're born with and it's and most people at least and it's not something that instinctually you want to do you 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 want to run you know I a, a really solid example in the beginning of my career was I was uh, doing event photography for a client and I went outside this is back when I smoked and I, I went outside to have a cigarette break with uh, one of the other uh, we would broken us up into three different rooms and there's three photographers each in their own room and we went out and it was, you know, the uh, Americas, EMEA, and APAC. So it was three different regions of the world. And we went out to have a smoke break. And uh, we had 45 minutes. And we figured we went out and had one. And then we're, he was like, yeah, we can have a second one. So we had a second one. And we started walking in and going, yeah, we, it's about 15, 20 minutes till they, till they start their event back up. So let's go back inside. And we head back inside. And I had EMEA. And it is the, the somewhat derogatory comment was dropped. Ah, goddamn Germans are always running early. And sure enough, I go back in. I'm not 15 minutes early. I'm already five minutes late. They had finished eating their dinner 15 minutes, 20, 20 30 minutes early and just decided, let's go back to the program. <laughs> but um, instead of, and it, so they had, and this part of the program was awards. It was already awards. So they were on stage handing awards to people. And I had left my camera at the front of the room and the vice president of the entire, this is a very, very, very large Fortune 100 company, vice president of the entire company was standing in the front of the room using my camera to take photos of people in their boards. Mm -hmm. I saw this from the back of the very, very crowded room, probably 400 people in this room, and I ran as fast as I could across the back room and then ran as fast as I could to the front of the room and got right up to him and thank you so much and he, uh, he laughed, you know, looked at me, laughed, handed me the camera and I went back to taking the photo. I'd missed like two people and he'd gotten both of them and then I took all the rest of the awards and whatever and got fired that night. 
<laughs> uh, and the long and the short of it, they came down about a week and a half later after all had been said and done. And I, I kind of got the the, uh, the breakdown, and the, my client, the guy that had hired me for the client, said, well, yeah, the, the problem, honestly, was the fact that you ran across the back of the room and you called attention to the fact that you that you were late and that you weren't there and mm. you weren't doing your job. Nobody really w- had noticed and nobody would have cared. You it, panicked yeah. and you ran really fast and everyone in the room was like, who's that running across the back of the room? And the guy at the front of the room on the podium said, oh, that's the photographer and da-da-da, I guess he's back. And that was what made them fire me because the guy that told them to fire me that had had a problem with it was a guy standing at like the back of the room who was like in charge of the event and blah, you know, whatever it was some crotchety guy who hadn't realized the photographer wasn't there until the guy at the front of the room said something about the guy running across the back of the room about me. So, so what would you have done? Just walk. And I've, and I've actually been in that situation a couple times since, you know, I mean, that walk, happens all the yeah. time. People will screw your schedule up or somebody doesn't call you back in or says, yeah, go, t- go take a lunch break. And you, you, I've had it where I walked out to take a lunch break and immediately missed the photo I was supposed to get because I was just told to go. <laughs> um, but you just don't, you just turn right around up and you try to get it the best you can, but you also accept the fact that you're going to hand these photos to somebody at the end of this event. And unless it was the one photo that they absolutely needed for the one thing, the blah, 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 that was like, it was, and that's why they're paying you for that one moment, unless it was that, and it's an event photography, 90% of the time, they're not going to know anything you didn't get because you're talking about a 3,000 person event over the course of seven days and the photography from one awards program in one room at one point that maybe they pull one photo from in over the course of the next week yeah. to throw on the website. It reminds me of that thing they tell musicians, which is, you know, when you're on stage and you're playing, if you mess up, just keep going. Right. Don't freak out. Most no people one's don't even know you. Know. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it's like in freelancing. Don't start going, hey, Max, what are they doing to me? Yeah. Flipping the keyboard you, around and calling attention to earlier yourself. Earlier today, uh, you, don't, you don't call the, the as soon as you, you think you've gotten it, oh, shit, I think we fucked up two shoot days God, on one camera. God damn it. You right. don't immediately call the client and go, gee, I think we screwed up. Not that you would want to. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> well, because some people have that mentality of tell them as soon as it happens, which is true for most things. As soon as something, as soon as you've confirmed a fuck up. Confirmed. Right. As soon as you confirmed it, right. tell them immediately. Do yeah. not wait. Right. Do not wait. I think we're going to have to put an explicit tag on this one, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a couple of F-bombs there. <laughs> Don't F up. <laughs> Lance, is there any other uh, sort of thing that you wanted to mention on the show or you talk about? Um, I guess one thing that I think would be like helpful for other people is, is uh, when I had to fire a client, mm. um, my first client. So that that was a situation where... I had to disconnect myself and um, it was just some of the feedback and uh, some of, I think there was a bit of like a a language barrier or a culture, uh, difference in cultures or something. And um, the way it had kind of gone down was, was that uh, there were certain things that, that were said about, um, about the work and also like what I had advised them to do as far as like what to wear during the shoot and, X and all this stuff and they had trusted me right you know they were, they were paying me and I think the first kind of mistake I made was I discounted you know mm-hmm. so like immediately I think that there was the value yep. the value was dropped and it, imme- it immediately kind of made that exchange uh, that it was just uh, you know they didn't value me as much as I said this is my rate and they said well we only have this and I said sure 
let's do that. So then uh, we go through rounds of feedback. I totally missed the mark on the first one. They're like, this just isn't what we're looking for. It's, it's like a Kickstarter campaign and, and I'm shooting in their house and doing all this stuff. And then, um, so I, I do it from scratch, right? I totally rebuild, new video, everything's new um, and put it out there. And they're like, you know, it's getting there. We're getting there. And I'm like, oh my God. And it was like, there were three rounds of, of, of edits. And then they were like, uh, they had said that they talked to another video production company that they couldn't afford and got feedback on this particular stuff on my videos. Ouch. Oh. And, so, and they also had multiple people in that were made, that were informing the decisions it was like a family yeah. affair yeah that happens a lot yeah everyone was in on it and i had like i felt just out of control and just right when she dropped the bomb that she's going to like other people like a, a video production company that they couldn't afford that they basically would have used if i wasn't you know yeah this budget dude and and uh just the way that that they were talking to me and and they they were just talking down to me I felt and mm -hmm. I just uh, so I had a really hard conversation with them a phone call and I was just nervous as, as I've ever been like it was it was like the hardest thing I've ever done and just told them this isn't working out um, and it was mid project like that's serious you yeah, know yeah, yeah I couldn't finish it I wasn't sleeping you know yeah, right so it was fucking it was really hard you just walked away from the money yeah, I said, yeah, that's a whole, that, that goes down a whole nother counting worm. So I don't, I don't know if I did this right or not, but I, I basically was like, I just want to squash this. Uh, you can, I can send you the footage and you can send it to another editor to, to do whatever. And, um, you know, I'll just take this, uh, the raw footage is $500, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. And I was like, it's $500, I'll send it to you. And then, then I get this just long email. Oh, we feel like you're just so not professional. Like this is just an unbelievable thing because she talked to that video production company and that company was like, he can't quit mid project. Like that's ridiculous. That's just not professional. And then they get it caught in their head and they were just like ring, like, you know, so I was like, okay, like whatever. I was so done. And I was just like, just take the footage. Goodbye with you. You know? Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. I, I Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, that, yeah, it, that yeah. is tough. I mean, to have it feel like some other companies kind of creep it in, too, right. you know? Well, and here's, I mean, with that description, the problem that you had is you had a bum client because it might, maybe it was another uh, production company and maybe they were being jackasses because that happens. Right. People will do that where they're like, oh, yeah, let's just, we'll just keep feeding them whatever they want to hear to get their business. And right. you realize well, you're, you're getting oh. the crappy client, too. But... When, when that client's describing to them what's going on with you, they're describing, it's like they've washed it with this beautiful oh, array totally. of like, of my own personal, you know, perspective. So the video production company they're talking to is like, God, this guy sounds terrible. And you're like, it's not the other guy, actually. I, you know, I've, I've had something like that where you, you know, you get something like that. I've had both sides where you get something and I had a foot photography client send me, um, had, have their previous photographer send me the product to shoot that he had taken six months and not finished on. Yeah. And I got it in it and he, it was a bunch of candles in glass jars. And of course, when I got the box, it was shattered glass jars of candles because the guy was like, 
you <laughs> do that. Oh, wow. But I went and I didn't I didn't parade him. I just uh, I was trying to be I, I don't I don't do that because that's not something that's appropriate for you to do to other professionals. I don't care if, if you even know that professional and you're like, oh, God, that guy is really bad. Don't talk, talk bad about them. You're talking about your own industry. You're right. actually talking down your own industry. So, right. um, you know, unless the guy's a child molester, like <laughs> you know, don't 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 go that route. Uh, but what I had said, I had dropped a little bit because when they were describing their 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 frustration with this previous uh, producer provider um, when they got to the it was it was six objects and they needed one shot of each and when they got when she finally goes I mean and we and it's been it's been three months since the last time we even talked and, and, I, and I went wait what <laughs> it's he's been working on this for six months I'll, this takes a day maybe two <laughs> so there 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 is that aspect of it there were sometimes you know and, and i don't know maybe they maybe there was other reasons they were having problems yeah. with that client but honestly i had a breeze of a session with them they completely accepted whatever price i had, had, had not accepted i mean they they gave me their budget and said this is what roughly what we have and i said this is how much i would cost it was a little bit more than their budget was but they were like that's fine we just need this done at this point um they loved the product i haven't seen them again because i think the, the business went out of uh, when the company went out of business it was one of those another like we're gonna get in the candle business and you're like that's a pretty saturated market but okay um you know and, and it is nice when you can find a client that's been burned in the by somebody that was really that was professional in the past you can kind of come in and they can just wow them it's just really yeah. kind of a nice thing but there's also all sorts of reasons sometimes that stuff will happen and and again as you said you had a bad client and there and it's extremely frustrating to have to deal with knowing that they're going to somebody else and talking you down probably by name because that's when when people are like that that's the, what they want to do they want to get the feedback i mean they're they're basically being attention get grabbers right there it's like I want to tell this other production company I want to hear from them that I'm right. Right. <laughs> right. So did did they actually pay you for the footage? No. Did no, you send it to him? Kind of I sent it to him. Oh, right. L- lesson lesson learned there too. Yeah, I know. You, you, and I think it was also part of me. I was early. This is like that's the job right before. And and I got a text at my during my wedding from them. You know. <laughs> like and I was like I'm about to get married like leave me alone you know and um yeah I sent him the footage and then I I I was immediately like you know I I shouldn't have done that yeah. um I should have just uh, held my ground a part of me thought like I don't want like a bad review yeah, yeah. I don't want like a scathing yelp uh, level set films and then I'm done because I'm just starting out. I'm and I, and then I traveled and I was like fucking like I don't yeah. care. It's I'm, yeah. This is just and a thing of the past. It's like if you're okay with leaving the money on the table. It's I did like you I don't want them it. to have to come there, after you again. There and again are and definitely again those, and you footage. have to evaluate that. Sometimes you get that client where you have to go. Is this five hundred worth it? Because they're the kind of addictive jerk, you know. And here's the thing: you get you get rich clients who will do that over the small numbers because they're rich and they can do that. Because that's how they got rich, Chris. Well, no, it's, it's actually not because they'll, they'll spend well, more they money than you owe them. Yeah, no, it's it's no, it's what they it's the reason they got rich from someone else's money, which is why they feel like it's okay to be vindictive about small sums of money because they don't understand business and the idea of no, let that go because oh my god, that's a waste of everyone's time and energy. Um, you know, put that thirty five hundred dollar lawyer fee towards I don't know anything else. The next video, <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> All right. but yeah, it's it's. It's a wild, wacky world of clients and vendors and uh, bad communication. Yeah, it was tough. But I think I learned a lot from that, you know. And I think the biggest lessons are don't drop your price, don't discount your price, and, and also uh, 
you know, just hold your ground. Like, mm -hmm. like, and that's what I did not do, you know, and I... Uh, you panicked a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I panicked and I, you know, I flipped out on him and, um, but I, I, you know... I, I lesson learned. Why. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, through failure is, is yeah. the greatest lessons learned. So, yeah. I think, uh, Lance, thanks for showing up and, and sure. being a part of the show. And uh, if, is there anything you want to plug or tell people about? Um... I guess just uh, levelsetfilms.com is my site. You can check out a lot of my work there, and I'm also doing a lot of director photography kind of freelance stuff. So if you're a video production company or an agency um, and need need a shooter, cool. I'll be available. Well, thank you so much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's our broadcast. See you next time. <laughs>